Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you again today. And um, I've been uh, part of a team at uh, Worldview Center for Intercultural Studies for the last five years. And there's one thing that I've learned, and we had a chance to reflect this week, and that is that language builds culture. And what we mean by this is that uh, you can have a group of people that are gathering together on a regular basis. It might be your school, your classroom. It could be a workplace. It could be uh, even at home. It could be in any community, like a church. And language develops a culture. You, you can find that you could all talk about the same thing, but you actually mean different things. And one of the things that uh, we do at Door of Hope is we talk about certain aspects of the life of Door of Hope, like the Hope Pathway. Now, the Hope Pathway is language that we use to try and describe the journey that we all go through in terms of becoming more like Christ. And um, we have some, some shapes that represent where we might be on this journey You know, we recognize as Christ followers that we can't be happy, we're not content staying in the same position as Christ followers. It's not good enough if I'm a Christian to just stay static for the rest of my life. And if I'm serious about my relationship with Christ, if we are serious as as a community, then the challenge is how do I grow? How do we grow? How do we sharpen each other? How do we develop How do we become more like Christ? And therefore, the language of hope pathway tries to put us all on the same page. And one of the first steps in the hope pathway is this label that we describe to friends or an explorer. And you might be here this morning for the first time. You might be listening online, watching online for the first time. And you might put yourself in this category. I'm not a Christian. I'm just... I'm not even sure of what this whole thing is all about. Well, I'm here to say on behalf of all of us at Door of Hope, you're welcome. If you have questions, you've come to a good place. We don't have all the answers to life's questions, but we can at least point you in the right way, and that is Jesus himself. Uh, You might be exploring. You've heard some things. Maybe you've come here a few times. We welcome you here as well. Uh, But sooner or later, there's an invitation that uh, invites you to consider Uh, the life and death of Christ. And that's a story, especially that we remind ourselves of uh, when it comes to communion, that we uh, celebrate together, but also Easter on a regular basis. And we talk about salvation. We talk about eternal life. And maybe you're a new Christian. You've accepted Christ as the Lord of your life. And we certainly welcome you here as well. But then we don't stay in that place. There's another group of people, and these are the growing Christians. You've been a Christian for a while, but now you're starting to ask a new set of questions. Maybe you're uh, reading Scripture in a different way. Maybe you're seeing things that you didn't see before, and we certainly welcome you here. But you know, the ultimate aim is the last group over on the right-hand side of our pathway, and that is the label that we describe someone to be Jesus-centered, others-focused. That's the language that we're trying to use here at, well, at, um, at Door of Hope. Jesus-centered, others-focused. There's this sense in which we might not ever get to that point. That's the story that we live. We live in a broken world. We live with sin. But that's the aim. I want to be someone who is absolutely committed 
to be a Jesus-centered person and others-focused, so much so that you couldn't tell whether you're talking to Danny or whether you're talking to Jesus. And so when we come to the parable of the rich fool this morning, I want to ask a question, and here's my question. What would it look like, what does it sound like for a Jesus-centered person, an others-focused person, to read this passage? What do they read when they read something like this? So let's read it together. I'm reading from Luke chapter 12, and now verses 13 to 21, and uh, this is the context. Someone in the crowd said to him, this is Jesus, teacher, tell my brothers to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. I think the Jesus-centered, others-focused person would look at this parable and would say, this parable is about birds. And I'll come and explain what that means a little bit later. But first, as we finish this parable series, let's remind ourselves that a parable is this interesting, really engaging way that Jesus and others used, but Jesus used to draw attention to the kingdom of God. And so he would often use this as a way of teaching, as a way of connecting the everyday, ordinary aspect of our lives with the, um, the, the beyond this life, the, the kingdom of God life. And Jesus would try and bring those two things together using stories that connected those two realms. And so the story of a rich man that was selfish, this is what this parable is about. The issue here is issue of greed. And so this uh, man is, uh, it's, in a sense, it's not his fault. I mean, he planted uh, what, he, what he should have planted. It just turns out that the ground, the, the soil, produced a lot more than he was expecting. So in that sense, it's not his fault. Except that the crop that he was able to gather revealed really what his heart was like. And so Jesus uh, paints this story in our English translation. You, you read this parable again and you see that the I statement happens six times in only a matter of a few words. You can see and count them, I this, I that, I and so on. 
And then you realize also that there's the uh, possessive pronoun, I think is what it's called, my crop, my barns, my surplus grain. And so Jesus is really highlighting here this man's desire really only for himself. And so there's an irony here. Jesus is being somewhat ironic. And uh, this is because you think that he's been wise. You think that this man is being wise because he's storing up in, uh, in order to be prepared for the future. And the hearers would have seen this. The hearers would have understood this, especially in the context of the story of uh, Joseph in the Old Testament. You know the story. Joseph is a man who God sets aside and he works in the foreign land. And he has this skill, this ability to be able to uh, make things uh, go further and almost uh, prepares, if you like, uh, this, uh, these barns and storehouses for a famine that's going to come. And he attracts all these people, neighboring nations, neighboring people, because they've run out of food. And so the hearers would have understood this. And so this man really should have been the wise one. But then comes the sting. And Jesus said, he's not wise, he's a fool. And this rings somewhat true with the uh, first verse in Psalm 14. And Psalm 14 has a stinging view of someone who is foolish. And here, I think, is where the, the real uh, lesson lies. And Psalm 14 says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. There is no God. And so I would argue that the rich fool, this parable, makes the best sense in the context of birds. What do I mean by this? Well, this parable sits in amongst a whole lot of things that Jesus is saying. And we realize in the first bit that Jesus is drawing our attention to birds. And if you're a bird lover, you know, you would argue that uh, the idea of birds has uh, a lot to do. We can learn a lot from birds is what I'm trying to say. Uh, we can observe them and we can think, ah, there's something there for us to learn. All types of birds have a lesson for us. And I would agree with you. But let's pay attention to what Luke 12, verses 4 and 7, this is a little bit earlier. This is what Jesus himself says. Thanks, Ruth. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Pay attention to those words. And I pick up on what Tommy said last week. One of the things that the gospel writers often said when Jesus spoke is, let him or let her who has ears hear. And I would invite you to do the same. Pay attention to what we're saying here. Steve came up and said, we're amongst royalty because our king is here. And I would say the same thing. 
our king is speaking. These are the words that he is saying. He's saying, do not be afraid. Ruth just read that. Not a single sparrow is forgotten by God. Your hairs on your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. The king of kings, the lord of lords, says this about you. So my question then becomes, do you believe him? And so then we have this parable of the rich fool, and then there is more comment, another comment that Jesus makes about birds again. And this is Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 26. Thanks, Daniel. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Let him, her who has ears, hear. Did you hear what he just said? Do not worry about your life. Life is more than food and clothes. You are much more valuable than birds. You can't add an hour to your life by worrying. So since you can't even do this little thing, don't worry about anything else. Let me say this again. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Creator, says this about you and about me. He says this about us. So here's the lesson, I think. Birds uh, remind us that there is a God and He wants to be relied upon. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Ruth. He wants to be relied upon. In other words, we depend on Him so that we don't forget about Him. That's the lesson. We depend on Him, on our God, so that we don't forget about Him. So if you struggle with selfishness, if you struggle with greed... Jesus, later on, after what Daniel just read, gives us the answer. But before I tell you what Jesus said, I want to just make sure we're not foolish about this, that we're not uh, naive about what we're dealing with here. Um, it's not about money alone. It could be about possessions. But what about skill? It could be about time. It could be about giving in other ways other than just finances. So let's not get locked into the idea that it's just money and possessions. And so greed is not just an issue for rich people. Greed doesn't make any uh, judgment on whether you have lots of money or not. Actually, someone who is a low-income earner, someone who doesn't have many possessions, can be just as greedy as someone who's rich and has everything. So the issue here is not how much money you have. The issue here is the condition of your heart when it comes to greed. And so then comes the kicker. Then comes what Jesus says. You want to pay attention? You want to 
try and understand your greed and your selfishness, then Jesus says you ought to do one of these things. And this is what he says. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. But again, let's not be naive. This is not just necessarily about money. What about your time? What about the gifts that you have, the skills that you have? Can you see someone that actually doesn't have what you have or needs help in ways that you're able to help? And uh, I was thinking about this point um, uh, last night and, and it occurred to me that when we're scrolling through our phones with Facebook and all the other platforms, uh, we can process this in a matter of milliseconds. We see needs and things that pop up in front of us and we just swipe through. The decisions are very easy for us to make. I'll ignore that, I'll ignore that, I'll ignore that. And yet, maybe we need to pay more attention. Again, you might be saying, I'm a low-income earner. This is, this is more about others trying to help me. Well, I will argue... Actually, let's find out within a half an hour or an hour and we can find someone who's doing life worse than you are. Greed is not a matter of whether you have lots of money. It's also an issue for those that have not much money and possessions. So this all leads me to really the point that I want to come to this morning and that is with relation to the parables. Over the last few weeks, we've been... Uh, maybe a couple of months, we've been diving into psalms, songs to live by, and we've been talking about parables, stories to live by. So my question then is, have you lived by them? Have you heard what needs to be heard, and has your life been changed as a result of it? What I'm dealing with here is discipleship. Are you changing in response to the things that you're hearing? Not what I'm saying, not what Steve's saying, not what we're saying here at Door of Hope, but what Jesus is saying. I just read you some words of what Jesus is saying. Are you prepared to do the things that he's asking you to do? Are we as a community prepared as a church to pay attention to what Jesus is saying? The invitation is ours. But I think the challenge is that we don't know what he's saying. We think we do, but really we're just too rushed, perhaps, in our Bible reading. And here's another phrase that we use at Door of Hope. Remember, we're trying to build culture here. And the phrase that we use is 20 minutes in the chair. Don't be too focused on the 20 minutes, but just think about the fact that what we're trying to highlight is that we need to spend time with Jesus every day. You know why? Because I think that the Jesus-centered, others-focused person knows that our minds are renewed every day. We need to come before Jesus with our greed, with our selfishness, and we need to say, Jesus, I come before you again. Can you make me more like you today? And that needs to happen on a daily basis. And that's why we're saying, spend 20 minutes in the chair. It's not about quiet times, morning devotions, or anything like that. It's about engagement with the living God. Will you pre be prepared to spend 20 minutes in the chair to know what Jesus is saying? He's saying lots of things already, and the invitation is ours. And so I 
want to just simply bring this whole series to a close with that thought. Are you prepared to do the things that Jesus is asking you to do? And if you don't know what he's saying, then you need to spend time knowing what he's saying, studying what he's saying. Let's be disciples that change our world in response to Jesus, not because it was a good idea. And so I would invite us all, keep moving on that hope pathway. Let's keep aiming to be more like Jesus. In other words, let's keep aiming to be like Jesus, Jesus-centered and others-focused. And now one of the ways we do that on a Sunday is communion that I mentioned earlier. And uh, when we do communion, what we're simply doing is a, is a ritual. It's just something very simple. But it has much more profound implications. And really, I don't know, I can fully understand what communion is really about. It's something that Jesus instilled himself. And we read the story. He was with his disciples and he gathered around uh, a feast. And he took uh, uh, the bread or what we use is a biscuit. And, and he said, take this. This is my body. Remember me and remember the sacrifice. And they, the disciples didn't really fully understand. They would understand later. But then he took the cup of wine or what we use, juice. And he said, this is my blood. Share it. Take it. Do this so that you remember me. And so for the Jesus-centered, others-focused person, I think communion is about recalibration. It's about coming back to the thing that's important. It's about being reminded of the things that are important. And for us as a Door of Hope community, we choose to do this every week. And it's a choice that we make. We don't have to, but we choose to. So I wonder if you just uh, close your eyes and pray with me. And I'm going to read a psalm as our final prayer just before we take communion. This is Psalm 15. Let's pray. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live in your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will not be shaken. And so, Lord, we come before you as a community of people who are on all sorts of different journeys when it comes to our relationship with you. But Father, as we draw this series to a close, as we focus on your cross and what you did and your sacrifice, we as a community want to acknowledge that the reason we can do this, the reason we can pay attention to the poor, to those that need help, to those that need our, um, our uh, physical uh, skills or our abilities, those that need our time, the reason we can do this is because you did it first. Jesus Christ, our Lord, you became the one uh, that did all of this first in order that we, in response, would seek to be more like you. And so as a community, as Door of Hope, we say thank you for your sacrifice. But thank you that a relationship with, more, uh, with you is more than just the cross. We remember the cross, 
but it's to keep becoming more like you every day. And so I think, Lord, the challenge is with us. May we uh, engage in the things that you've spoken about. We know what you've said. We have a record. Even in our mother language, we have a, an understanding or a, or a record of what you've said. Help us to understand your words and to pay attention and do the things that you've asked us to do. Lord, we bring our greed and our selfishness at the cross. We uh, bring our brokenness, the things that we know aren't right, and we say, Lord, deal with those. And in fact, you already have because you are alive and you are a living God who seeks a relationship with your people and we're part of that family and we say thank you for this opportunity to remember you to recalibrate for the week that comes may you be honoured in Jesus name Amen